Schwab Asset Management is proud to support the Inside ETFs podcast. As one of the nation's largest ETF providers, Schwab Asset Management offers insights and perspectives that can help advisors build on their ETF expertise. Did you know that more millennials are choosing ETFs as their investment vehicle of choice, or that many investors plan to increase their allocation to fixed income, smart beta, and actively managed ETFs? Find out how ETFs can support your clients' goals with Schwab Asset Management's educational resources. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETF know-how. Hello and welcome to Inside ETFs, the podcast where we bring the latest and greatest ETF industry perspectives directly to you through in-depth conversations with key thought leaders from across the ETF ecosystem. I'm your host, Douglas Jonas, the head of exchange-traded products at the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. Now, today I am joined by Noel Archard. Noel is the global head of ETFs and portfolio solutions at AB. Prior to joining AB earlier this year, he worked in a variety of executive roles at State Street Global Advisors, BlackRock, the Vanguard Group, very much considered an industry veteran of ETS and well-known across our industry. Noel holds a BS in journalism from Northwestern University. He is a CFA charter holder and a multi-time Ironman finisher. Noel, thank you so much for being here today. Doug, thank you, or Douglas, thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation. So, Noel, I want to go back in time. You and I have known each other a long time. Uh, many people know you from your career, but but your career didn't start in ETFs. You know, w- was there a spot where you said to yourself, "Hey, I'm I'm actually now in the ETF business versus versus maybe in the finance business"? And you know, w- was there like a pivotal moment where you said, "Yeah, yeah, th- this is what I'm doing now." Yeah, I, I you know what I think the um, there have been several of those moments, and I and I always think of myself as as participating in the greater financial industry. It's such a it's such a fascinating business, but so much of my career has centered around the ETFs. And I and I think you know when I think about some of those pivotal moments, the first one was was just really that introduction to ETF back at Vanguard. I had the, the very good fortune of being put onto a strategic team early in my career. It's just one of those you know hey, there's a bunch of things going on in the marketplace sit down and take a look at the lay of the land. And the team that I was working on, uh, ETFs was one of several items that they were that they were examining. Uh, and because I had, you know, a series seven, it was like, okay, you, you get to look at the ETF. And the more I dug into this, you know, for the team where we were doing, you know, classic SWOT analysis for for senior staff at Vanguard, the more I really got intrigued. I mean, this is this is early days again, this is two thousand and three. So, you know, spies about ten years old at this point. Um uh, you know, the sectors have been out for five years. And so we were seeing some participation there. Other other sponsors were gearing up. But, you know, as I really looked at it and, and dug into it, it just fascinated me that that there was this vehicle that was so accessible, um, that had so many of the great attributes at the time was very, you know, index focused, but also, uh, you know, very democratizing. And um, I just, I wanted to be involved in it more. And fortunately for me, uh, during the midst of that sort of research project, Vanguard was looking for someone to focus on on project managing, product managing uh, the the ETFs, the Vanguard Vipers, as they were called at the time, and and the, I ended up in that role. So that was sort of that first big pivot where I said I really you know want to focus on this, and and there happened to be a job available that let me do that at Vanguard. 
You know, a lot of times on this show, we talk a little bit about careers and mentorships and and guidance for maybe younger listeners. Um, a lot of people who may not know this, I actually worked for Noel and Noel for a period of time. Yes, I reported to him, but more importantly, throughout the course of my career was often, you know, an outside mentor where I would I would reach out to, to him directly and ask him questions. One of the things I've always found from you is your sort of innate ability as to when to know to, to to make a change. And I think change for a lot of us, whether it be your investment change, uh, change in a, in a portfolio, uh, change in wealth management, uh, but but career change, what is it that, that sort of sparks to you, hey, it's time for a change? Because you've done that numerous times, everything from moving to a new country uh, to going on what I'll call like a work sabbatical, going between very large firms, different jobs, what, what is it that, that says to you, hey, it's time to make a change? When things start to feel a little bit routine, that's, you know, that's maybe a warning sign or you're not feeling like you're, you're challenging yourself and learning. But the flip side of that coin is when the thing that I'm thinking about doing scares me. That's, that's usually a good marker of like, oh, I should, I should probably think about doing this. Because if, if you're scared of doing it, it's probably because it's not going to be easy. It might be like, you know, the, the right thing to do or the, or the right um, opportunity to jump into, but but it's going to challenge you, and it's it's going to feel uncomfortable. So I, I you know I look for some of those uncomfortable moments and then test does it feel like you know a right fit and something that I that I want to get into. I guess that's that's where a lot of your Ironman uh, races, because boy, talk about challenging yourself. One of the things that you've done, Noel, over the years that we've worked together, you've handed me a lot of books. You're an avid reader. Uh, a lot of them in, you know, I think back to to some of them being uh, historical fiction, actually quite a few historical fiction books. Do you look backwards and say, hey, I look at the, the world of finance backwards and then I look forwards. And is there a spot where you just sort of said to yourself in your career, e- ETFs are the future. Th- these are the future you know, rappers, if you will, for asset managers. And I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go full steam ahead here. I, you know what? I think when I looked at them, I, I remember hearing early, early on in the, you know, ETF industry, Dan Dolan, who, you know, worked, uh, you know, has, has worked with so um, foundational uh, on the, on the select sector of spiders and some of the work that, well, again, that he did and continues to do in, in that, in that space. But, you know, early on in, in uh, his career, when he stumbled across ETFs and looked at them, he said something once, just that ETFs were one of those rare financial instruments that the more he looked at them and the more he got to know them, the more he continued to like them, that they continued to perform. And again, this was, this was quite some time ago that he said that. And as I looked at them, you know, it's again, as you study, you know, financial trends or things that, you know, that happen, a lot of financial products or access points get a little stale to some degree because they don't evolve. Um, and, you know, life is constant change, right? The markets are constantly changing, but, you know, there, there are some aspects that, that don't change, right? And that's diversification can be really critical. Risk controls can be really critical. Controlling the, the factors that you can control in your financial life is really critical. And ETFs as a vehicle have that have that those attributes and that you can own them anywhere you can control your costs you're not paying the freight for somebody else and as the the markets have evolved as our ability to to fit different exposures into the ETF has evolved the product has has remained resilient and so for me that was that was part of the the driver of what keeps bringing me back to the ETFs and again this is 
you know, Doug, we've been doing this a long time. There's, there's no, you know, silver bullet. There's no one thing. Our clients, they use passive products. They use active products. They use mutual funds, ETFs, separate accounts. Um, they're trying to put together, you know, an outcome. The ETFs have just have been now for almost 30 years, 30, 30 years and just five or six months uh, in the U.S. Such a resilient um, vehicle. And I, and I think to me, that's what, what has intrigued me is that resiliency and that ability to evolve and change over time. You know, I, I, I kind of think back uh, to some of our conversations around, you know, personal growth and growth for businesses and, and so much focus. And then, uh, you know, for the for the team at, at AB, so a lot of people know the Alliance Bernstein name. Maybe you do or don't know the rebrand to AB. So we're going to refer to AB as they should be referred to. But boy, what a what a team to, to luck out and get someone coming with, with your background, with your caliber and your passion for the ETF business, you know, what, what is it? You're now on the inside, you're at AB. What is it that, that drew the AB team to ETFs? And could you talk a little bit about the recent launch? Cause you, you've just entered with your first two ETFs. Yeah. Well, th- thank you for those incredibly kind words. Um, probably I don't feel deserving of them, but very appreciated. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the, it was it was a journey, and I think for for a lot of the um, managers in the in the active space, for a lot of years, there was almost a reaction of like, all right, well, you know, ETFs are growing; they're more of a beta vehicle. Is that something to engage in, not engage in? Um, there's there's a pretty you know what I would call the inside baseball part of the story that you know a lot of folks don't you know don't necessarily talk about, but you know the ETF rule coming to be three years ago. Or just around three years ago, was such a such an important factor to bring new entrants into this marketplace because before then, you know, all you know the ETFs went through this exemptive relief process with the SEC, which was you know took a took a big toll on the sponsors, took a big toll, frankly, on the SEC because um, you know again not to get into the weeds, but you know every one of those applications had to be gone through to make sure that nothing had been inadvertently you know dropped into it that would be harmful to the industry, and so. Uh, and, and it created a disparity amongst competitors, right? Things that one company had exemptive relief for because it was granted 15 years ago might not have been granted to a company applying set, you know, seven years ago. So you had an inconsistent infrastructure to, to some degree on how the ETFs operated. And so the SEC, um, through a lot of, you know, diligence and hard work came together with an ETF rule that created, uh, you know, an even playing field. And I think that was a, that was a really critical, uh, juncture in the next phase of of the life of the ETF, and you know, for AB, that that took down um, you know a barrier uh, to entry, which was just going through that exemptive process, investing all that time, and then maybe not getting the relief that you wanted or the ability to run the funds in the way that you wanted to. So, I think having that even playing field was a big marker. Um, you know, I think the the operating committee at AB spent some time thinking about two or three pretty significant strategic initiatives um, a year or so back, uh, two years back, um, and, and saying, you know, it, it's time to commit. This is, uh, you know, they were, they were coming from a, a place of strength. The, the flows at the firm have been quite strong into other vehicles. Um, and so this was just viewed as, you know, uh, another opportunity to take some of their best thinking and put it into a vehicle that has a lot of, a lot of uh, factors that were attractive. To you know, to the clients who use our strategy. So um, I joined in February. Uh, I think it was the end of week two. <laughs> we we had a list of you know twenty or so ideas that were floating around that we wanted to get uh, you know 
into sort of uh, shape to present to the board um, because you're standing up a whole new range. There's a lot of uh, you know legal work that goes into it. So we were trying to get uh, you know a tight couple of offerings that we would start with. Um, and, you know, the firm is, is definitely multi-asset and global. So we had a lot of, you know, those 20 span, you know, every concept out there. But as we, we looked at the year, we thought we wanted to do something where our portfolio managers, traders, sales teams, marketers um, had a comfort level or, a, you know, a deep knowledge. And so we looked at our both our taxable and uh, non-taxable fixed income offerings. Um, we focused on the short end of the curve because we were at, in February. We're like, that's oh, probably going to be a volatile year and probably see some interest rate increases. Um, and that obviously uh, showed up on steroids, you know, come from March on. So we we're pretty happy. We launched a ultra short uh, income product uh, that trades under the ticker year. And then we launched a tax aware short duration municipal product that trades under the ticker taffy. Uh, we launched those just about a week ago. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're a listener of this podcast or you follow uh, the New York Stock Exchange, you know, the growth of ETFs has just been tremendous. Last year, 55 brand new asset managers came into the, to the ETF industry. This year, we will beat that number, AB uh, joining the ranks of, of new asset managers. But the team there, you know, has a lot of really deep technical capabilities. I, you know, I think about the work we did with Julie and Casey for many years as you scoped out the market. You've joined Anita Roush, longtime industry veteran. So you're you've got this this really high power team, and you're bringing in the AB group that is that is for a long time uh, really demonstrated effectiveness, both managing money and also working with advisors. You now you launch your two first two ETFs. You mentioned them: Taffy T A F I uh, Year Y E A R. Could you go a little deeper? What, why those two in the midst of this volatility, in the midst of rising interest rates, as you said, February, you're looking at it, the market. Uh, wh why did those two strategies make the most sense as, as being the flagship ETFs? Yeah, so for the for the tax aware uh, product, Taffy, that was really going down to that, you know, as we thought about um, or as we think about what we want to do with our ETF program, it, it didn't really make sense to me to say, we're, you know, we're going to throw out 20 ETFs. That will cover the style box and the and the yield curve and the curve, and we're going to go out to the marketplace and say, okay, now build your whole portfolio with AB ETFs like that. That really didn't feel like a good use of of energy or time. Um, you know, maybe maybe one day uh, that that's the approach. But again, there's so many um, different ways to to look at this marketplace. Um, so what we wanted to do was find products that really either complement what we do. Um, and make for a better investor outcome or, you know, fill a product gap that might complement what someone else does or what, you know, a client need might be. So in the case of municipals, um, we have a very large book of, of municipal separate accounts. And, um, you know, despite sort of, you know, many people say to their advisors or say to themselves, you know, not going to really need to touch the account this year. I'm investing for the long term you know, life happens. And then uh, there's liquidity events within the portfolio. And so we were seeing this, you know, these small trades going off in the separate account space, um, you know, in the municipal arena. And, you know, those can be fairly costly. Um, if you're talking about, you know, rebalancing, you know, just selling 25, 50 grand of a, you know, 100 grand of a muni position, um, you know, the odd lot costs can, can add up. And so, you know, as we looked at that, having a, a large book of, of muni separate accounts, um, and knowing that other, you know, other clients have uh, those types of exposure, coming out with a short duration muni product where we could take all of the expertise we have in, in managing um, munis, we put a tax aware strategy out there so that we could blend in 
uh, taxable, you know, taxable exposures, treasury exposures. Um, if the after-tax returns looks uh, better than what the what the higher-rated munis would look like, um, but it's always going to be at least 80% municipal exposure. Um, but we have a team that just does this all the time and does it really, really well. And we have a tech stack for our traders that really allows us to to pull through the liquidity in the muni market. Um, so for us, this was a natural. You know, if you bundled a, a short-duration taxable or tax-aware uh, product. It becomes a really nice complement to clients who maybe just want to have a five or ten percent um, liquidity sleeve on the side of their SMA or even their fund exposure or their you know whatever it might be, so that you know should they need to, they have a more cost-effective way of managing liquidity needs within their portfolio. Or for those investors who just want a short-duration um, exposure to the muni market with you know with a little bit of yield potential through our taxware strategy, so it works as a standalone. And it works really well as a as a complementary vehicle to products that our clients already use. So that that's the way we're trying to think about this: is you know who's that first buyer, who's that secondary buyer, who's the tertiary buyer as we're coming to market with the product. Yeah, and as a reminder, you can find out a lot of information about Taffy, about Year AB's lineup, and really every ETF listed in the U.S. At the website etfcentral.com, that's a that's a new website for the industry, and it's got a fantastic ETF screener. Noel, I want to talk about the markets uh, for 2022, right? You know, I, the Fed was out today with their latest latest interest rate increase. What do you see as the biggest challenges for the remainder of this year, and and how can advisors really manage, you know, t- t- their risk in in really the best way? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a tough year, right? We we had this um, sort of uh, we talk about recency bias when you have a decade of sort of this you know growth profile that we've experienced and and easy credit. Um, this year is markedly different, and I think you know where the challenge is, um, you know where most people are feeling the challenge is this this you know balancing act that you know the Fed and and other central banks are doing between. Um, you know, they need to tamp down on inflation. That's their, that's, you know, the core focus that they have. And obviously, as you said, we saw another pretty hefty rate increase today and, and, you know, good potential that this won't be the last one for the year. But counter that against a whole bunch of people who are sitting there saying, okay, when, when does it go too far? Um, when does this suddenly snap back and, and the concern goes from inflation into a recessionary period? Um, you know, people that will argue that, you know, that inflation will naturally curve. Um, you don't have to keep raising rates and others that are like, no, absolutely fight inflation. So you've got some really divergent views in the marketplace right now. Uh, and that, you know, that presents a challenge. I think, you know, on some levels, though, as always, it presents an opportunity um, when you have markets like this. I know, you know, a lot of our advisors always, you know, looking at this in a way of this is this is the time to reach out. Um, you know, we look at this in this way, too. This is our moment to reach out to advisors, help them with with their business needs and with um, you know, some of the thought leadership that we want to convey around what's going on in the marketplace. So, um, you know, again, this was partly why we went with with shorter duration funds, uh, even of the ultra short income product. We're like, money is going to be in motion at the end of the year. We have a lot of tax loss harvesting for the first time uh, in a long time, and people are going to need areas to park that cash while they're, while they're deciding which way to jump on this. So what we've been talking to the market, to our clients about is really you know, where you can, sometimes this isn't always possible, but where you can, you know, try and try not to take just that short term view, try and step back and at least have have a bit of that 
uh, view of of that, you know, three years out, five years out, what is, what is it going to look like? And looking out, you know, if you think about three years out, suddenly thinking about, you know, quality factors um, is of interest, you know, thinking about how to engage in the growth market, but with a quality overlay, companies that might help weather the storm, you know, a little bit better. Looking at things like the high yield market also can be interesting, um, just given relative valuations to where the market is today. So there's um, there's still a lot of opportunities out there, but but you have to a little bit you know get comfortable with that uh, short term choppiness uh, in order to get to those intermediate gains. Yeah, let's stay on that topic. You know, anyone who knows me, I'm, I'm I can't help it. I'm I'm the ultimate optimist. Do you look at the markets now? Does your team look at the markets and say, hey, there, there's actually some opportunity here? And, you know, do your ETFs plug into that? Well, certainly, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. The ultra short, you know, income space, you know, yielding over three and a half percent, you know, and in, 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 uh, where to think about where we were a year ago, where you, you couldn't earn anything in the in the short end of the curve. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always uncomfortable when you go through these, these rate adjustments. But on the plus side, um, some of the fixed income on the short end of the curve is, is generating some, some nice, you know, some nice returns. As I said, high yield can still look interesting for those with the risk appetite for that, um, given relative yields in that space. So, um, and, and for sure in the muni space, uh, you know, part of, part of our thinking there is, for a big chunk you know, of the clients and for a good portion of their portfolio, obviously being sensitive to your after-tax returns is really important. That goes back to controlling what you can control. Um, and this is a lot of a lot of the focus of, of even our future products that we're contemplating coming out on the ETF side um, is this whole idea of like, what are the, you know, what are the big themes? What are the outcomes that are just always um, important to investors? And, you know, it, it's about income. It's about, um, risk controls in the portfolio. It's about, you know, for some investors, it might be about sustainability overlays, how that looks like. Um, it's about controlling for inflation. So um, there's a lot to be done out there when you think about the larger, you know, themes across portfolios. And, and you know, could the market still go down another big chunk? Of course. Uh, there's, you know, there's still plenty of, of I think, um, as I said, choppiness that we're going to experience in the next 12 months. Just given that the realities of the marketplace today and some of the moves that that have to be uh, taken to you know right the ship some somewhat, um, and then you always have the you know the wild card factor um, that can come in out of the blue. But you know the long term, um, some of the fundamentals are actually looking better from a valuation perspective than than we've seen in a while. So Noel, for you know the advisors out there, strategists, anybody who's plugged in who says, hey. You know, I haven't historically worked with AB, but boy, now you have ETFs and, and I want to engage. Is there sort of a right way to to be plugged in with your team? How, how do they how do they reach the the AB group? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously the, all, all the normal ways. The website um, is a good conduit. We'll have a lot of the information. And I think importantly, um, you know, we've packaged sort of the, you know, the ETF landing page lives with within, you know, all the other products because from my view, really important in this day and age that an ETF offering be as integrated as possible across the complex. And so we're not really looking at the ETFs as um, just something that's out there doing their own thing. We want it to fit against that larger 
um, advisor experience with AB. And I think, you know, what we make available to advisors, other ways that they can interact with us, that's really important. We, we bring a lot of unique insights into the capital markets. I think people that know AB or even know of AB know us as a very research-driven firm. So our, our capital markets outlook, um, we have a disruptor series that really just talks about different ways of thinking about some mainstream topics. Um, I talked already about we have a lot of outcome-driven products, and those are available in multiple structures. So it's not just an ETF story. It's a separately managed account story um, with some really cool tools that that support how advisors can think about um, using those in their practices. And then most importantly, we have um, interactions set up uh, to really help advisors partner, um, you know, help you know, partner with them to help grow their practice. So we have an advisor institute, uh, advisor institute, a digital coach program. Um, all of this again, and you can start either by reaching out to a, to an AB um, relationship uh, manager or consultant, or go to our website and you'll feed right into the um, into the contact points there. Uh, you can go to abfunds.com as a is a quick shortcut to get there. Yeah, and, and for those that that haven't gone to that website, it's it's pretty impactful. They've got uh, economic perspectives, investment insights. Uh, you've got great video content out there. So so really a, a high quality educational website. Noel, before we wrap, you know, for those that that have maybe been following your career for some time, or maybe new to the to the world of ETFs. Any, uh, you know, advice that you would give to the younger generation that are trying to follow in your footsteps? You know, we, we talked about it earlier. I mean, I think it's, you know, I, the one thing I always think about, I mean, it, it's pretty rare that doesn't cross my head every time we think about something new to do or how, you know, how to approach, you know, the marketplace is that this is other people's money. Um, you know, it's really fun to come up with great ideas and, and you know, things that could be impactful to the, you know, to your business or capture people's attention, but they've got to work. Um, you know, we, we throw the word innovation around in the industry a lot. To me, you know, great innovation means great ideas coupled with great execution that solves the client's problem. Um, and and that that's the thing I think that the gut check we should do all the time is are, are we putting our clients first? Are we putting our best foot forward with strategies or executions and and you know how how to approach you know the business? And then the second most important thing is just keep asking why. It's really easy to get into a rut. And, you know, early on in the ETF days, we didn't have a playbook. And so we were just sort of making things up as we went along. And a lot of it worked out. Um, and then, you know, the next generation comes along and, you know, builds, builds on that and keeps building. But sometimes it's easy to get into, well, this is the way it's done. Well, you know, the tech is a lot better than it was 10 or 15 years ago. The access um, around the globe is better than it was 10 or 15 years ago. The insights that we have are better than 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, just through sheer computational power and the spread of knowledge. So just because something was built one way or distributed one way or serviced one way um, 10 years ago doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to work best today. So um, you know, just challenge yourself. Again, I go back to, you know, if it makes you uncomfortable, it's probably a good thing to, to probe a little bit more. I love it. Put your best foot forward coming from an Ironman athlete. Now that is a wrap on this edition of the Inside ETFs podcast. As a reminder, you can find this episode as well as many other episodes of the Inside ETF podcast on the New York Stock Exchange's website, homeofetfs.com. I want to thank you again, Noel, for being here to share your insights. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes featuring thought leaders from across the ETF ecosystem. I'm Douglas Jonas, head of exchange traded funds at the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. 
Schwab Asset Management is proud to support the Inside ETFs podcast. As one of the nation's largest ETF providers, Schwab Asset Management offers insights and perspectives that can help advisors build on their ETF expertise. Did you know that more millennials are choosing ETFs as their investment vehicle of choice, or that many investors plan to increase their allocation to fixed income, smart beta, and actively managed ETFs? Find out how ETFs can support your clients' goals with Schwab Asset Management's educational resources. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETF know-how.